0: welcome to the HSP podcast. I'm Julie B. and today's topic we're going to be discussing how to lower anxiety and improve your wellness so that you can bring out your sensitive gifts and one of the biggest challenges we have as highly sensitive people is anxiety and it was certainly a huge challenge of mine for a big part of my life and why I'm so passionate about teaching tools that I know work really well for highly sensitive people. So if you would like, you can RSVP to my free masterclass, High Sensitivity and Anxiety. And you can find that at sensitiveconnection.com along with all of the other resources that I offer sensitive people, lots of different resources. I invite you to explore my resources page So, I hope you enjoy this episode, and I hope you're taking really good care of your beautiful, sensitive self.
1: Welcome, all you beautiful, sensitive souls out there. I'm Bevan Neiman, one of the co hosts of this event. And I'm so, so excited to introduce you to Julie Bieland, who is a psychiatrist who specializes in high sensitivity. Julie is the author of several books. She's the host of the HSP podcast and founder of the Sensitive Empowerment Community. And Julie and her community teach you how to balance your sensitive nervous system to lower your anxiety. We all can need that. And I know we're gonna talk about that a little bit today how to improve your wellness and bring out your sensitive gifts so you can honor your beautiful, authentic self. So Julie, welcome. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you.
2: Thank you, Bevin. I'm excited too. I love talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just
1: your jam, right? It's, it's yes. what you do.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: So I know you've been a, a psychotherapist for some time. And you know, I'd be curious to know how did you get into specializing, working with highly sensitive people? What's that journey been like for you?
2: Yes. Well, I am a highly sensitive person. I, I consider myself an HSP empath. And I struggled a lot with sensitivity in in our really busy modern world. And I started to see uh, a lot of sensitive clients come to me and the work that we were doing together was just so transformative. And um, we came up with lots of tools that could support and balance our sensitive nervous system. And it just was such a joy to to be able to witness that because I really believe that we have so many gifts that are often kind of covered up by our overwhelm and our, um, you know, our sensory overload and and a lot of the differences. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure, today. But um, if we can lift off some of the layers of those challenges, we really can access these incredible gifts and and the real reason that we're even here and have this trait.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I also resonate as an HSP and empath, have experienced sensory overload many times in my life. And I'd love for you just to take us into that. You know, why is it such a common challenge for people whose nervous systems are more responsive to the environment around us?
2: Yeah, you know, a lot of us don't realize how much we're impacted by sensory overload. And it's really, an, you know, it's an overload of how much the brain can keep up processing. We we take in so much information and data and that's part of our gifts of, of having this trait. So if you imagine taking in, you know, 100 cups of data, versus maybe just a few cups of data for those that don't have this trait. Just there's a real overload experience of all the senses just by going out in the modern world, especially those of us that live in urban environments. (laughs) That's when we're going to experience a lot of sensory overload in crowds and, you know, being around bright lights, you know, loud sounds, just the world's not created for our high levels of sensitivity. So so, sensory overload can cause a lot of our symptoms. It can cause feelings of anxiety, issues with sleep, which is a real problem for our wellness, and even irritability. Maybe when we're feeling really overwhelmed, we're feeling emotionally overloaded, reactionary, things like that can actually be from sensory overload. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I know that you even actually created a brain training course, uh, which allows people to understand how to sort of rewrite those neural pathways. I'd love to hear more about that and how that's um, applicable to helping HSPs uh, manage this overwhelm and the anxiety and some of the other symptoms that come from that.
2: Yeah, the oh, the brain training course has been such a beautiful experience to get to witness HSPs from all over the world just improving and feeling better and more balanced. One of the things that's my favorite thing to think about is that we can actually prevent the release of adrenaline and stressed hormones where by doing quite simple things that this is all natural without medication that often causes a lot of side effects for us. And I got really interested in the neuroscience of this that you can actually train the brain by being able to catch things before they happen, being able to even just do things like certain breath techniques can, it's almost like sending a message to the brain that I'm not in danger. I don't want you to send this rush of adrenaline and stress hormones, because when that happens and you start to feel your heart racing, now your body is set up to fight or flee or some, for some people it's freeze because we actually have more activation in the amygdala. Those of us that have this trait, which causes that high stress and, um, you know, we, we can be more prone to anxiety, things like that. So the ability to kind of bypass that. And that was something that was really exciting to me to even learn that you can activate calming centers in the brain that automatically deactivate stress centers because they can't be activated at the same time. And that's one of my absolute favorite, like personal <laughs> tools, and as well as being able to teach other HSPs these tools, because it's it's incredible being able to do that.
1: Yeah, I love what you're saying here. And, you know, what strikes me is the word hypervigilance, yeah. right? So if you have a nervous system that's always on, always picking up information, uh, especially if you are an HSP and an empath, so you you know, not only sense all the, the external stimulus, but also the energies, um, hypervigilance is something that someone could kind of get stuck in that that mode, Right.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I used to be, I used to, before I understood about this trait, before I had these kinds of tools, I was definitely hypervigilant. I felt really anxious. I felt very stressed out. I was just like, when can I get to my room and close the door and shut off the the world? Because it just seemed too hard. And that can cause, especially long-term, that's causing a lot of chronic health conditions in sensitive people. And that it's so important to be able to learn about this trait and to understand how we are different. We, we have a different nervous system. We have brain differences that make us experience the world differently. And we also have gifts that, that the, most of the population doesn't. <laughs> so, you know, I've heard, um, like, for example, brain training can really help people stop having panic attacks, for example, um, which is huge for a lot of sensitive people who are, are feeling that in the world and, and improve their wellness.
1: Mm, I know those can be really challenging. I've had a few friends that have experienced that. And, um, you know, I think what I wanted to explore was this idea of safety. You know, I hear you talking about this and like the brain somehow feels because of all of this um, information coming in and we're having to process it all. And, you know, of course, there are probably many HSPs who have experienced some sort of trauma. Uh, most humans have experienced some sort of trauma. So then it sort of exacerbates that, right? But what you're saying is that we can we can help ourselves understand that we're actually safe in that moment if we are safe. And that is a life changer, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. Because the brain can't tell the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat. So it reacts, as, you know, we can be stressed out in, in traffic, for example. And and it can send a signal to the brain that we're like a lion is about to attack us, and it'll it'll shift the way our body uses oxygen. It'll send us into our muscles, which is why when we're stressed, we actually end up with back pain or get injured more easily, things like that. And and we also do short, shallow breathing when we're stressed. So being able to take those long, slow exhales are part of. We do like a four, two, seven. Um, breath technique that I really recommend and that can be done for anybody even children can learn this which is really great so you're breathing in for the count of four you're holding for the count of two and you're exhaling for the count of seven and that long slow exhale is what is sending a message to the the brain I'm not about to be attacked by a lion I don't need you to set my body up for that and it's it's incredible like to be able to walk around in the world feeling like you have tools makes you be able to accomplish the things you want in life, to be the kind of parent you want to be, the kind of partner, friend, to be able to do all the things that you want to be able to accomplish in the world. And, and HSPs like to be productive and we we like to be able to help others and you know, being able to have tools or something that really help us be able to do that and to live in the modern chaotic living (laughs) that that life is is at right now and especially over the last few years so many of us have experienced trauma and um you know incredibly stressful situations so it's it's really um i want sensitive people to know that you don't have to live every day with anxiety and overwhelm and feeling like you can't do the things that you want to do
1: And I wondered if, would you be willing for a moment just to lead everyone who's listening in this breath technique? Like, could we actually practice it so we can take this home? And anytime we feel that anxiety coming on we could just go into this space and and help our brain to know that we are actually safe. Would you, would you do that for us?
2: Sure. That'd be great. And I I would also recommend, these are great to use, like I use it before I'm going to do like a a dental procedure that might be making me nervous, or if you have to do something, a meeting at work or presentation or anything that you're starting to feel uh, nervous about, it's really great to balance that nervous system right before you're walking into an event or anything that could potentially create stress for you. So we do it in about five to seven cycles, but I'll just do maybe a couple cycles to practice. So we'll, we'll start to, I, I think it's also really great to close your eyes because about 80% of our stimulation is visual. So being able to close your eyes and just kind of find your center for a moment, you can do that wherever you are and take a deep breath in for the count of four. One, two, three, four. And then you're holding it for one, two, and then you're exhaling for seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Nice and slow exhale. And I wanna I want to say you don't have to actually speak the the counting out loud. You can just do that in your head. Um, but that's a very, 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 uh, you can have that access anywhere. And we talk about that a lot in my community that, you know, we'll, we'll say like, oh, we use the breath technique for this. And this really helped me not be so nervous.
1: Yeah. I could definitely feel the difference, uh, you know, as I just went into that cycle, everything kind of slows down, all of the thoughts in your mind, slow down your body goes, oh, I can relax now. So this yeah. is just a really simple way for people to take care of themselves at any time.
2: Yeah, it's very simple. You have access to it wherever you need and it will reduce your heart rate like right away. So if you can keep practicing these things, even before you get into the space of being really nervous or anxious about something, you're going to actually prevent the release of all those stress hormones that are going to create a lot of chaos in your body. Uh, and it takes time. Like once you, your body's released adrenaline, it's going to take uh, up to 30 minutes for it to actually be reabsorbed Um, to be able to get into a calmer state again. So if you get better at doing this ahead of time, and this is one of many tools that we teach in the brain training course that really are accessible, very easy to use. You can do it anywhere you are. You can teach your children and teens and uh, just very helpful to be able to communicate to your brain, right? (laughs) Yeah, I love
1: how you're talking about being proactive because once we begin to kind of observe ourselves, and what is triggering to each person, because it'll be different for every highly sensitive person, then we know, okay, I'm going into an environment that in the past has been kind of triggering, anxiety producing for me. I'm going to do the things in advance to prepare myself for that, whether it's a family dinner or a job interview or whatever that is. I'm going to prepare myself so that I can go in with the calmest level uh, nervous system possible. I think that's amazing.
2: Yes, I like that you're talking about that. That's so true. I I really believe in this concept of kind of creating life templates for us. And, you know, if something went wrong, and we got really emotionally reactive about something, give yourself self compassion about that. That's one of the biggest, that's the one of the biggest brain training skills you can give yourself, I had to learn self compassion. And, being able to, you know, stop being hard on yourself and instead support yourself like you would uh, a friend, someone that's you're close to and be able to learn, like rewind the tape and think like, what was it that created that in me? Why did I get so upset about that? Why was that so hard for me? And let me get to know what that is, you know, and vice versa. Have I been feeling really great? And and secure in myself and safe, like you were talking about, and calm. Okay, what have I been doing? Probably spending time in nature a lot. That that, that might be one of them too. You know, that, I I believe that nature is medicine for sensitive people, and we are meant to be in it. We are meant to um, have that be our guide. Think about how nature has cycles of dormancy and cycles of blooming. That there isn't anything that's blooming continuously. That we We, you know, little things like, you know, being able to practice self-compassion when you think about, for example, say a plant isn't doing so well in your home, you're not going to get upset with the plant. You just think about how can I support this plant? What do I need to do to be able to create conditions that help it thrive? And that's really what we want to do as sensitive people.
1: Yeah, I love that you're talking about self-compassion because for me, that's been a big part of my journey as well. Um, just noticing the kinds of thinking that I'm doing in reference to myself and and what that voice or voices are saying about me, you know, like, oh, you're not doing it fast enough. You need to be doing more. You didn't get enough done today, you know, and part of this is sort of perpetuated by our external society's focus on productivity and the faster pace that, you know, doesn't necessarily work for us as well. Um, But yeah, it's life-changing to begin gently questioning why did I think that about me? I wouldn't think that about a friend. I wouldn't think that about a house plant. You know, I I know that you probably work a lot with the people in your community and the clients that you served on this piece here. This can be a game changer, right?
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's fascinating. Like self-criticism releases stress chemicals and self-compassion releases calming chemicals. I mean, we actually can change how we're experiencing things in the body. Even it will create um, more inflammation with self-criticism and with self-compassion. You're you're really setting your body up to be healthier, but it takes time. Like I always say, I started at the very bottom with self-criticism. You know, with self compassion. And I thought, I don't know if I could actually feel it like for real. But I kept on practicing and I kept on practicing because this is a brain training skill you can actually get better at with practice. And that's something that's really helpful to validate your experience in the world. And to be around other sensitive people is very powerful because it normalizes your experience, it validates your experience, and it helps you understand that. You know it's okay to be how I am, and that there's a reason why I'm like this, and I can't necessarily follow what that societal norm is telling me to do, where which, which is go, 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 and not have breaks and not take downtime. That is not why we are here. We we are given this trait for a reason. We have it for a reason, and we have a lot of information and ability you know we can read micro expressions that that most of the population cannot we're picking up on details uh i want to tell you a story even my um my dog we we know that um sensitivity shows up in animals too and my dog is a is a highly sensitive dog and you know he loves to go to the dog park and play with everybody but if there's new dogs and new people he sits for a while and observes And he's kind of checking it out. It's like, you know, got to watch for a while. And that's what sensitive people do too. We're taking in a lot of information. It's okay to pause and reflect. In fact, that's part of what we need from you.
1: Yeah, my partner and I just went on vacation um last week uh, to another country where the 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 language was something I only speak a little of and I realized at some point I actually had to leave a wonderful conversation with my partner's family because my brain was taking so much time to try to translate the Spanish into English and then and then try to figure out what I was going to say that I actually became drained, overwhelmed. I I literally just had to get up and go into the garden And I think it's really important for us to um, give ourselves permission to do those things when we need to, because otherwise the effects can be long lasting.
2: Absolutely. If we're pushing ourselves all the time, it's going to lead to burnout. And, you know, even if we're having a good time with friends and family, we still need that downtime. And that surprises a lot of sensitive people when they, but it also is like really validating. They're like, okay, I just spent a couple of hours you know, having a great time with my friends, but now I'm exhausted. And if I push through and continue to do more, I'll probably end up sick. So, and that used to happen to me. I was sick all the time when I was young. And um, it, so, you know, health became a big part of my journey too. And, and that was a, a big part of what led me to creating all these tools was that I wanted to be healthy in the world and I wanted to be able to uh, support other sensitive people and say that we do need to do things differently.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that you're bringing people together in community. I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about, you know, the benefits of connecting with other people who have a similar experience (laughs) and, and just being able to learn these kinds of tools and build up this toolkit so that you can take care of yourself so that you can be healthy in this world.
2: Yes. Oh my gosh. My favorite place to be is in my sensitive empowerment community. And it is really magical I mean that's like the word I would use because it's it's amazing to have people from all ages from all over the world sensitive people come together talk about our experiences we share like I use I share a lot of my own personal stories you know something that happened to me and how I worked on it what tool I use um, being able to support people in the tools that they need but most of all this sense of belonging this sense of feeling understood and normalizing how we are in the world, that is something really powerful. And one of my favorite things that the community um, that really helps it blossom is that people start to feel self-love and self-acceptance for the first time in their lives. We've even had people in their 80s in this community say, this is the first time I have felt that I loved myself. I mean, that almost makes me cry thinking about that because it's so powerful and it is really unique to spend time with other sensitive people. They're just so kind-hearted, so supportive, and we just get each other. It's like you finally get to be in a place that you're speaking the same language when you're used to having, you know, living in a world where people don't speak your language. (laughs) It's really powerful.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I'd love for us to just explore a little bit about when a person takes the time to really understand themselves, to accept themselves, to... You know, gain a toolbox of of skills and practices that they can do. What really changes? What's possible for an HSP or an empath when they have really decided that self-care isn't a burden? It's like what I need to do to be really thriving in this world. You know, what have you seen um, the transformation be for people?
2: Oh, yeah, it's so much. It's just the most beautiful thing seeing we need sensitive leaders in the world you know there's we need compassionate leadership we need um we need a group of sensitive people to be i believe an hsp needs to be on every team at least one needs to be on every team and you know i've had conversations with people who talk about how they have an HSP on their team, and they'll actually go to that HSP after meetings and pick up on and receive information from them that they missed, like if they didn't have the trait. That HSP knew how to read the room. They knew what was going on, how somebody was reacting to certain information. They There's just all these details that we become aware of that can really support the world. And there's just so much kindness. We really care about the world we care about people we care about animals we care about how things are done uh and you know if we can empower sensitive people to really rise up into these places to to really make a difference in the world and that's what we see being able to change laws and policy and in supportive inclusion and you know there's a there's a sense of um A deep caring that is needed and a deep kindness and that's what an HSP brings into the world and it's really beautiful to blossom to watch it blossom to watch an HSP's confidence boost when they start to realize that they have these gifts and you know that was my experience too I remember before I learned all these tools I kind of thought like. Maybe I'm not that smart. Maybe I can't accomplish that much because I was so overwhelmed all the time and anxious and just in survival mode. And I think a lot of sensitive people are living in survival mode, just trying to get through the day. And yet there's something in most of us that just we want to do something that really benefits others or helps the world in some way. And imagine the you know this entire population of sensitive people kind of rising up into That kind of vibration in the world what what can be created and that's something that really excites me and and i get to see that to to watch people just start to bloom and and step into their gifts it's just one of the most beautiful things
1: yeah it's been such a pleasure for me to watch people do that as well that i've interacted with and i love this vision that you have and i'm not sure where it came from in our field but i've i've heard this for many years a world that works for highly sensitive people works for everyone. So a lot of the things in our, in our broader culture aren't really working for just the average you know person with an average nervous system. Um, and, you know, if we can be those leaders and if we can kind of set the tone or ask for the things that we need, um, then it can even benefit all, all people.
2: Yes. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine that this world that we can do and it's, you know we have unique ideas and out of the box ways of thinking and there are there are things that we can come up with that the world absolutely needs and that's what's really exciting to to see that to someone step into their their beautiful blossoming
1: yeah absolutely
2: I know that everyone who's
1: listening would love to know how to connect with you, Julie, like where's the best place to find out more about your work and to, to get connected into what you're, what you're offering, Uh, where should they go?
2: Yes, you can go to my website at juliebiellen.com or sensitiveconnection.com if you don't know how to spell that. <laughs> and uh, you can I have a free sensitivity quiz and I'm the host of the HSP podcast and you can join my sensitive empowerment community, read the HSP blog. You can even write for the HSP blog. I love to share uh, HSP voices and I have a lot of resources On my resource page, some some of the more popular ones are like a letter that you can give to your medical mental health professionals about the trait of high sensitivity to help avoid misdiagnosis, to have a practitioner that really understands your experience in the world is really important. We even have an HSP practitioners directory where you can find an HSP therapist or coach or healer to work with because I really like bringing us all together. There's something really powerful about that. So lots of resources on on my website.
1: Mm, Wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. And I know particularly... Uh, HSPs and empaths intersecting with the medical field that can be challenging uh, or even you know HR at work you know how do you actually talk about this trait? how do you um, affirm that this is what you need without feeling ashamed or like you have to hide it? I know I did that for quite a while and then you know it's such a relief to become open about who I am and to say this isn't a problem it's not a diagnosis. It's just how I'm wired and, um, and it's okay for me to ask for accommodations or anything that I need to, to be healthy and to be safe.
2: Absolutely. And I, and I always think about like, think of all the sensitive people that are coming after you that are going to be helped because you, you educated that professional. And I like to think of it as you're educating people about it and, and, and being able to advocate for your needs. I think that's another powerful thing in community is you you sort of feel more strength in your ability to advocate for what's right for you and what isn't, being able to set boundaries. We talk a lot about all that kind of stuff. I also have a lot of free classes um, and webinars on my website too that people can take that will help support all of what we're talking about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you, you talked just a little bit about um, sensitive people stepping into leadership and kind of being role models. Um, How has that experience been for you to to take that journey uh, to now, you know, lead communities of other sensitive people? Uh, Tell us a little bit more about about what you've learned and, and what you've gained from that.
2: We have so much intuition at, you know, we have more activation in our insula. We have ability to really read like this, this high level of conscientiousness about us. Um, and i i really encourage people to follow that to follow what feels right and and for me it was like there were my path really started because there w- wasn't a, anything available that i um knew was needed like i had actually taught a course with the shift network and we're going to be doing another course with them coming up in january uh, a live course and That's how my community actually uh, was birthed originally, because we were doing these live courses together online with other sensitive people. And we didn't want to say goodbye. It was like, it was so wonderful to be together. And I was like, we need a space to be together. And I've always followed the path that felt right for me. And it's usually different than what others do. And I think really being able to, um, you know, encourage people to to follow their intuition, follow their instincts, follow what feels right and what doesn't. If you get a nicky feeling about something, listen to that. And for me, it was really about that, that everything that I've done that's worked really well has been following my intuition. And that's something that is such a powerful gift within us that will will guide us in so many ways, but we have to slow down enough to listen to it. So really having that daily time to yourself, To take time that's you're just it's you're just to yourself especially being in nature this is something that is really healing to our nervous system and you ever you we've probably noticed that bevan it's like if you start to feel burnt out or something and you go into nature you just suddenly feel creative and you feel that flow come back and it's if i ever start to feel that way where i'm feeling kind of constricted or something or overwhelmed i'm like okay How can I get to nature? How can I be around trees? How can I be near water? Uh, And instantly I start to feel better.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I live close to the mountains. I feel really honored to live here. And anytime I feel like I've just been in the house too much, I just go outside at night and sit down and look at the stars and just feel the breeze on my face. And almost instantly, it begins to change um, how my nervous system is interacting. And a lot of times, like you said, I'll have these really interesting, creative, intuitive ideas that come through. Uh, So, yes, nature is just an amazing healer for sure.
2: Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I think we because we care so much about people, we we tend to be very externally focused, paying attention to everybody else's needs. So another tool I love to do to share with sensitive people is the bathroom check in. Every time you go to the bathroom, you want to ask yourself two questions. How am I doing and what do I need? And this is something really powerful. It sounds so simple, but it is really life transforming to actually start to pay attention. And it's like we have to train ourselves to pay attention to what we need and how we're doing because we are so focused on others. And so getting to know that, you know, if you and you go to the bathroom several times a day. So that's a great practice to get into is just check in, just check in for a moment with some loving kindness towards yourself. how am I doing? It's like, okay, something somebody said to me hurt my feelings. Okay, maybe I need to process that with a little self-compassion right now. Or maybe I'm realizing I'm just feeling so exhausted. I need to close my eyes for 20 minutes and take a little break and do some meditation or get outside, do some yoga, something that feels really good. And and, uh, even taking little walks throughout the day are really great things that support a sensitive person.
1: I love how you just bring these really practical tools. I never even thought about that, but it would be um, really amazing just to ask ourselves that question. It kind of releases the guilt, right? Like, oh, I'm taking too much time for myself or I'm being self-centered or, you know, uh, we do need to be self-focused. We do need to be turning all of that reading that we can do of everyone else towards ourselves and just scanning our body and like saying okay where am I what do I need do I need to process something I love that it's beautiful yeah
2: and it helps us be more resilient and recover faster because a lot of times when we're not paying attention to the I call it the whispers the body's giving you whispers what it needs and if we're slowing down we can hear those whispers but if we're just you know I call it the fast-paced part of life like on this bullet train and we're not paying attention until it starts screaming and then we've completely burned out now it's going to take a long time to recover so if you see sensitive people in the world seeming like they're doing pretty well (laughs) that's what they're doing it's this everyday practice that is paying attention and meeting those needs and taking those breaks and then you know at the end if you're somebody that's working all day and you have a family at home to come home to then you actually still have energy when you come home because you've been taking those breaks and you're going to recover and feel more resi- more resilient in general so all of those things really do help and they add up and yes i i'm good at the practical tools i like things that are easy to do you can do them anytime and really this is all based on how the brain works too and it's like a retrain
1: yeah. And, I, and you touched upon, you know, making some different choices, not necessarily needing to feel like we have to fit ourselves into someone else's pace. And of course, that's going to vary by individual. Um, and some of those choices aren't easy, right? Like we have to really sit down and go, okay, what is it that I need? And that may be different than people understand. And so you may have to kind of hold strong to that, right? Um, you know, but it's it's so important what you're talking about here.
2: Yeah, I think something that helped me, because I was that way, I I didn't pay attention. I didn't even know what I needed. I just thought I would just think about what they needed and do that. (laughs) And a lot of sensitive people do that. And so it took a lot of training for me to be like, okay, what do I need? What do I, you know, what is it that I want and need right now? And how can I do it? You know, and then there's a fear of setting boundaries. There's a fear of disappointing people. But I always say the person that's the most disappointed by your boundaries are the ones that need them the most, because if they're not supporting your boundaries, they probably are the ones who really need to have you need to set boundaries with. So it takes practice. And that's when, you know, guilt, if we're feeling guilt about saying no about something, something that really helped me is to is to reconnect to my inner child. I even um, recommend getting a photo of yourself when you're little and seeing if you can connect to that little sensitive child and get to know them and, and start to care about them. Because if we're always saying yes to others, it means that we're always saying no to ourselves and that inner child needs you to pay attention. They need you to meet their needs and they're going to tantrum. <laughs> if you don't, something's gonna go wrong, probably like an explosion of some kind, like an emotional explosion or an inner uh, explosion that will create illness, you know, anxiety, depression, things like that when we're not meeting our needs. So really starting to practice like I even though I had to say no to them that I can't do that, I'm saying yes to my inner child and and she needs me to. She needs me to pay attention. and finally, I am paying attention and she's a lot happier. <laughs> and healthier
1: oh this has been just such an amazing conversation I think we could talk forever you have so much knowledge and and um, experience in this field it's just wonderful Julie I just wondered you know if there's a person or a group of people out there who are listening right now who um, are maybe on this path you know they've been in survival mode they're like this isn't working for me I don't want to be here anymore I have this anxiety, this depression, I want to minimize that, I want to work with my trait. What would be the most important step for people to take right away uh, to start making that transition that you've been talking about?
2: I would suggest joining the sensitive empowerment community. We, it's a, it's a family, it's a sensitive family and it's a place to feel really supported and loved. We do weekly events together. We have meet and greets where like virtual ones where you can really connect with each other. We do trainings. We, and the trainings all are about how do we live and blossom in a world as a sensitive person. I think that's probably the best step somebody can take and, It is the fastest path to wellness because we talk about it and you're gonna get my daily reminders on what works and what doesn't. Uh, And I think that's a really powerful first step. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you so much for being here, for lending your wisdom and your insight. We so appreciate your uh, sensitive empathic leadership in this world, helping to make the world a little better place, helping to empower people like ourselves. And you're just uh, such a treasure. For, for everyone here uh, who's listening.
2: Oh, thank you, Bevan. Thank you so much. And it's always a pleasure talking with you. And thank you for all the beautiful work you're doing in the world too. And uh, I'm so glad we got to connect.
1: And thank you to everyone who's listening. I hope that you were able to take Some of these really practical skills and tools that Julie provided like checking in with yourself every time you go to the bathroom, how am I doing, what do I need? Uh, Doing the breathing technique just to slow, you can do it in advance as she said, uh, or even after the fact uh, to help slow that central nervous system Uh, reduce those, those hormones and uh, really bring yourself into a place of safety. So thank you so much for being here, spending your time to, um, you know, help your personal growth and evolution.
2: We so appreciate you.